Have you ever wondered where you really stand with God? Are you overcome with feelings of guilt because of things you've done wrong? Are you tired of religion that focuses on rules that you can't keep? Have we got good news for you? It's time to listen in on some casual conversation with Mike Kapler and Joel Brzezinski and discover what true freedom is all about. This is Growing in Grace. Growing in Grace, I'm Joel Brzezinski, Mike Kapler with me, and we're getting set to uh, sit down and chat about this wonderful grace of God and the forgiveness that we've freely received in Him. It's such good news. I don't know why uh, more and more people don't get this, and um, that's not a put-down. It's just a, it's a desire that's in my heart that more and more people would understand that God is for us, that he's not against us, uh, that he has freely given the forgiveness of sins. He's freely given his grace. He's freely given us his righteousness. And it's it's all a big, huge gift. And uh, we simply get to walk in it. And uh, many people are trying to uh, earn this thing, or they're trying to over and over again do things to make themselves right with God when God simply says, rest in what I have already done for you. And so our hope is that more and more people would understand this good news. I don't know how we've missed some of the things that we've learned over the last 20 years, Joel. I mean, somehow we were just blinded to it. What religion taught us didn't always reveal the true good news of the gospel. And now I look back on it and say, how did we miss some of this stuff? Mm -hmm. So my heart is to, to reach out to people of all kinds, but I think especially within my own heart, and I think yours too, it's, it's to, to help people who have kind of been stuck in a religious bondage, they've had exposure to the gospel, they may be saved, but they just haven't really experienced the, the blessings of, of this good news. But as much as I'd like to continue just chatting and talking about the weather and stuff, we, we got a lot <laughs> to get in for this podcast. And so uh, over the last two weeks, we've been talking about forgiveness. And I think before we, we move on into First John chapter 1, because a lot of people are, are asking the question, well, aren't we supposed to confess our sins in order to, to be forgiven as we go forward from this point on? We want to address that. Just wrapping up a few things we said from last week, Joel, I, I think if the forgiveness for sins from God is not yet complete, in other words, if he continues to forgive us for things that we do wrong, don't think for a minute that you would be able to remove the need for the shedding for more blood. In other words, if God continues to offer the act of forgiveness for our sins, then the blood of Christ was not sufficient. He would have to keep coming back and sacrificing over and over again. And that is not the case because Jesus Christ, who became sin for us and offered himself, sacrifice of himself at the cross, he would bring eternal satisfaction to the Father. And I think it's, it's just important for us to realize it's, it's, it's natural to feel sorry for missing the mark for our poor choices, but we got to get away from this misguided thinking that sorrow and apologies bring a renewed forgiveness from God. That only occurs in our own minds. Yep. You know, speaking of our minds, you see, when back in the day, in the Old Covenant, when it was a daily sacrifice or a yearly sacrifice, you know, the book of Hebrews talks about how in those yearly sacrifices there was only a reminder of sins. When a sacrifice has to be done over and over again, there's a reminder of sins. But this one-time sacrifice of Jesus covered all sins for all time. It covered everything. Just think, when you were saved, at the time that you believed, how many of your sins had been put on Jesus on the cross? Well, just the ones up till that time, 
No, because if only your sins had been had been put on Jesus up till that time, then that means that Jesus, like Cap was saying, has to go back to the cross over and over and over again. But all your sins were put on Jesus on the cross. He became sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. And so when you believed, as we talked about last week, you received the forgiveness of sins. It was provided for you that one time. So you have the complete forgiveness of sins. Now, does that mean that that will just make you want to go out and sin all the more? If it does, then you don't understand the forgiveness that you have and, and the righteousness that you have, because God has made you righteous. He's made you holy. And as such, that's the life that we have in him, and that's the life that we're encouraged to live, and that we do live by his grace. And when we do sin, we understand that we're already forgiven. And so instead of saying, oh, God, please, please forgive me, instead of begging and groveling and asking for forgiveness, we thank him that we are already forgiven. And so that does bring up 1 John 1, 9. A lot of people question this because, well, it says you're supposed to confess your sins and then God will forgive you. Now let's talk about that a little this week. Yeah, I mean, this is this is all good stuff here because, uh, again, you're not just forgiven up to this moment, but all sins, past, present, and future, and, and the reality of this occurred, as we mentioned last week, through through the receiving by belief. So let's ask ourselves a question. Since all sins are forgiven, as believers in Christ, why would we want to continue to seek forgiveness that has already been provided by confessing sins under a new and better covenant where God says he remembers them no more, he no longer counts them against us, and he isn't dealing with us according to our sins. Why would we want to confess sins over and over and over again when this is already the reality in the new covenant? Uh, So considering that God has done everything he's going to do about forgiveness through the cross of Christ, we get this stuff basically from one verse in the entire Bible, and it's in 1 John 1, 9. But before we get to that, hopefully we can squeeze this in here today, Joel. Let's look at the verses that lead up to this, because we, we make the assumption, I think the false assumption in some cases, where all Scripture is just written to Christian believers. Um, but here we see something a, a bit unique in 1 John chapter 1. Just looking at the first few verses, John is addressing some people here. I think we're going to make the case that he, he is addressing unbelievers. This is more of an evangelistic passage of Scripture. And he, and he jumps right into it. 1 John 1, uh, what was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have looked at and touched with our hands concerning the word of life, Jesus Christ, and the life was manifested, and we have seen and testify and proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. And he goes on, what we have seen and heard we proclaim to you so that, so that, so here's what's going on. He's talking to some people who apparently have questioned whether God has actually come in human form, in the flesh, as a, as a man. And I'll, I'll let you get into some of that, Joel, but he's obviously addressing that because look at all the references to, hey, we've looked at him, we've touched with our hands this word of life. Uh, he was manifested, we've seen, we testify, we proclaim, we've seen, we've heard. Over and over he's saying this stuff. Uh, this stuff. So, And why? He goes on, he says, so that you too may have fellowship with us. So he's talking to people he doesn't even have fellowship with. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. So these things we write so that our joy may be made complete. Paul, or John, I should say, did not have 
a joy that was made complete because they didn't have fellowship with the people he's writing to. And so we go from here, Joel. Yeah, it's real important to understand that he's writing to a mixed crowd. I mean, when you write to any church, even even today, uh, you're going to have people in that church who are many who are believers, and then there are some who aren't believers. And in this case, John was writing to a church in which uh, this um, teaching or this line of belief that we know now as Gnosticism had kind of infiltrated the church, had kind of come in, and it led to a misunderstanding of who Christ was and, and, and what it was all about. My uh, Nelson's uh, Study Bible says this about Gnosticism. Gnosticism was a, a teaching that blended Eastern mysticism and Greek dualism, and it claimed that the spirit is completely good, but matter is completely evil. And so based on that, some Gnostics concluded that if God was truly good, he could not have created the material universe. Some lesser God must have created it. And it goes on to say that uh, they had this belief that Jesus did not have a physical body. And so that's why it's important what you were reading there at the beginning of the chapter, Cap, where John was writing that we have heard him, we have seen him with our eyes, we've looked upon him, we've touched him, our hands have handled him, we've seen that he is a physical being, he came as a man. See, the Gnostics didn't believe this, and so John had to address that. He said, hey, we've seen him, I laid my head on his chest, we've been with this Jesus. So it was very important for them to distinguish and to to point out that Jesus had really come in the flesh. And so, these Gnostic unbelievers, they didn't believe that sin was really an issue. They believed that since all matter, all material things were sin, then then sin wasn't even a problem. And so, John had to write to them that, guess what? Sin is really a thing. If we confess, and that word means acknowledge the reality, you know, if we acknowledge that sin is real, then he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Like you were saying, Cap, these people did not have fellowship with God, and they did not have fellowship with the other believers, because they had this contrary view, this contrary understanding about who Christ was and about what sin was. Yeah, and, and that's interesting, isn't it? Because as he leads up to the, the famous verse of 1 John 1, 9, where we've been taught that we must confess every sin in order to be forgiven uh, again, <laughs> um, he, we come up to the, these verses here leading up to it. So 1 John 1, 8, if we say we have no sin, keeping in mind what Joel just talked about, because some of these people embedded with believers did not believe that sin was even a reality. If we say we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves, and the truth is not in us. That's 1 John 1.8. In verse 9, the one that gets all the attention, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And finally, in verse 10, John's still talking to the same group he started with. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. One thing I wanted to point out, uh, if we confess our sins, that word sins... That is a noun, uh, hamartia. It's not a verb. It's not referring to individual actions of sins, but it's referring to a sin condition that was found in us through Adam. In verse 10, John does refer to individual sins. He says, if we have not sinned, we make him a liar. So uh, that was referring more to, it's a verb, it's, it's more about actions of sin. But, so we admit that there's a sin problem, but it, the act of sinning wasn't even nearly as bad as, as the original problem, and that was being born in Adam into a sin condition. 
And so I think we're probably going to run out of time for this podcast, Joel, but there's, there's much yet to be said about all of this. And I think we'll be able to talk more next week about this sin condition that John was talking about confessing and how this is really, again, more of an evangelistic passage to try to get some of these people to realize that Jesus Christ came in the flesh. And that's an important thing, which we'll also talk about because John comes back to this later in his letter. Yeah, he does come back to it later in the letter, and, that, and so that's so important. It's really important, just to kind of summarize here, that John was writing to a mixed crowd, some people who didn't believe that Jesus had come in the flesh, and um, who really didn't even believe in sin, so to speak. Uh, and so he was saying that they didn't have fellowship with them or with God, and he, and he wanted them to. And so he wanted them to understand, hey, uh, sin is a reality. Acknowledge that, and God will be faithful to forgive you with the forgiveness that was provided once for all in Christ, and you'll be cleansed from all unrighteousness because of the blood that was already shed. The blood of Jesus was a reality. He needed them to understand that so that they could come into this fellowship with both them and with God. If we say that we have not sinned, well, they said that they had not sinned. They were making God a liar, and his word was not in them. Christian believers, they've already understood that sin is real, that Jesus came in the flesh. This isn't talking to Christian believers, then. It's talking to those unbelievers that were in the crowd there. This has been Growing in Grace with Mike Kapler and Joel Brzezicki. Heard online through various internet sources around the world each week. To access hundreds of past programs, visit graceroots.org. Share it with a friend and listen again next week for more Growing in Grace.